Good morning, dear Sangha. Today is uh, Sunday, the 27th of May in the year 2012, and we are in the Full Moon Meditation Hall, New Hamlet, Plum Village. Today we shall celebrate uh, the anniversary of the birth of the Buddha in the, our hamlet. And uh, we might ask uh, these questions as who the Buddha is. Who is the Buddha? Is he, is he still alive? Is he a human being or is he a god? Uh, these uh, questions uh, are simple, but we need uh, a good answer. Is there any uh, way in order to get in touch with the Buddha? Is the Buddha available uh, now or he is already uh, gone? These uh, questions may be helpful for us. And we have to try to answer these questions in the light of the teaching of the Buddha. And we know that uh, the word Buddha means uh, the enlightened one, the one who is enlightened, who has mindfulness, concentration, insight, who has a high degree of understanding and compassion. And we have learned also that uh, there is uh, the Buddha nature in us. It means that uh, if we practice, we will be able to develop the capacity of understanding and compassion in us, and we can become a Buddha also. And that uh, potentiality in everyone is called Buddha nature. So Buddha may not just be a person. And in the Buddhist uh, <coughs> tradition, there are many uh, uh, practices that help us to to get in touch with the Buddha, to know what the Buddha is, who the Buddha is. We have a statue of uh, Buddha, and many uh, practitioners used to bow to the Buddha as a statue. And we are advised not to uh, not to uh, not to look at the Buddha as uh, something or someone uh, completely outside of us. Before bowing to the Buddha, we should uh, practice looking deeply to see that there is a link, a deep connection between us and the Buddha. And if we are not able to see that uh, connection between us and the Buddha, uh, any, uh, any true communication would not be possible. And one of the ways in order to help us to establish that uh, connection is uh, to look deeply and to see the nature of uh, interbeing in the Buddha and in yourself. When you look into a flower and deeply enough, we recognize uh, the fact that a flower is made only of non-flower elements. Like the cloud, uh, the sunshine, the uh, soil, the compost, the minerals, etc. 
And um, when we look into a lotus flower, we can see uh, the water, the mud, and so on. So when we look at uh, the Buddha, we should see the elements that have uh, come together in order to make a Buddha. A Buddha is someone who is enlightened, someone who has a deep understanding and compassion. But how, how he has done in order to get that kind of understanding and compassion? And it is clear that um, that understanding cannot uh, be there unless uh, you know how to how to produce it, because understanding is a kind of uh, energy that can help you to be clear to see things as they are. And understanding has the power to generate the energy of uh, compassion and love. So how, how, how did he do in order to have that kind of understanding and compassion? And if we know how the Buddha did in order to get the understanding and the compassion, we will be able to do like him. And in our turn, we can also produce understanding and compassion. And this the Buddha has told us. He said that uh, he began by looking deeply into the nature of his own suffering. Uh, the Buddha uh, that we know, uh, his name is, uh, is uh, Siddhartha Gautama. He was born in a royal family. When he grew up, he did not want to be a politician. Because he saw that his father suffered as a king. And uh, his father seemed to be um, uh, to be uh, uh, powerless. Even if he has uh, a power of a king, the power of a king, but he he could not do things. He suffered. The king suffered. He saw corruption and uh, anger and frustration. But uh, with the power, political power of a king, he could not. He could not uh, change the situation. And that is why the young Siddhartha did not want to become a, a king. He wanted to look for another way so that uh, life is um, easier, life is uh, more pleasant, a way, of, uh, a way of living that can help reduce the suffering, that can uh, produce uh, joy and happiness. So after having reflected uh, many years about that, he decided to become a practitioner, a spiritual practitioner, a monk. He had searched for many, many years. He had learned from many teachers, but finally he found it by himself, the way of transformation and healing. And he told us how he did. And he, saw, he said that there is suffering in you, And that suffering carries within itself the suffering of your father, your mother, and your ancestors. Uh, your ancestors and your parents have carried that suffering in them for a long time. But since they did not know how to transform it, and they have transmitted that block of suffering to you, And the suffering in you also reflect the suffering in the world. And the way is to go back to yourself 
and recognize the existence of that suffering and listen to it, embrace it tenderly and try to understand the roots of that suffering. And that's the beginning of the practice. And that is why the, uh, the first Dhamma sharing that the Buddha gave is about the Four Noble Truths. And the first truth is uh, suffering. Dukkha. Dukkha is ill-being. You don't feel good, you don't feel happy because there is a block of ill-being in you. And that ill-being carries within itself the ill-being of your father, your mother, your ancestors. It carries also the ill-being of the world. So the first thing for you to do is to go home to yourself and recognize the block of ill-being in you. And not many people like to do that because they find it uh, unpleasant to do so. Uh, the way they do is the opposite. They try to run away from that block of ill-being in themselves. They try to cover up. They pretend not to suffer. Uh, and they use all kind of uh, consumption in order to forget that there is a block of ill-being in themselves. And that is why the ill-being in themselves continue to be there and continue to grow. And that is the practice of the most of people in the world, run away from their own ill-being and trying to cover it up with consumption, television, internet, music, food, uh, and so on. So, the Buddha told us how he did. And the first thing is to go back and to recognize that ill-being and listen to it and look deeply into the nature of ill-being in order to find out the second noble truth, which is the making of ill-being. The making of ill-being. Because everything has causes. If ill-being is there, there must be some causes for ill-being to be produced. It's like your depression. If your depression is there, it means that you have lived in such a way, you have consumed in such a way that allowed ill-being to settle in you. So this is an example. Ill-being is represented here as a depression. And the making of ill-being is represented by, by, by your way of life, your way of consuming. You have consumed, you have lived your, way, your life in such a way that has made um, the, the, the depression possible. And that is why the Buddha also said that uh, we, can, we can understand the second noble truth in terms of uh, consumption, in terms of uh, uh, food. He said that nothing can survive without food, including your depression. You have consumed in such a way that, uh, that depression has become a reality. You have consumed with your mind, with your eye, ear, nose, tongue, body. And you have got the toxins in what you consume. That is why depression become, has become a reality. So the first thing you do is to go back and recognize ill-being. The second thing is to 
embrace tenderly the ill being and listen to it and look deeply to it, into it in order to identify the source of uh, nutriment that has brought ill being to you. That's the second noble truth. And if uh, you succeed in uh, identifying the source of uh, ill-being, and then the fourth truth will be revealed. Uh, the, the way, the way, leading to the cessation of your being. There must be a way in order to remove your depression. And if uh, you see the truth, how your being is made, you, when you have identified the source of uh, nutriment that has uh, brought ill being to you, and you just cut that source of nutriment, you change your way of uh, living, you change your way of consuming, and then you get uh, the third truth, which is the cessation of ill being. It means the healing, the cessation of your being. So the third noble truth is a confirmation that your being can be transformed. Your depression can be removed. So this is uh, something hopeful. And in in order to arrive at the cessation of your being, there is a way of practice. And the way of practice is the fourth noble truth, and it leads to the cessation of your being. And that is the way the Buddha did. And he said that, I cannot help you. You have to help yourself. I help you by telling you how I did it. And if you want to be like me, you just follow the same kind of practice. So the Buddha is not a god that can do everything for us. The Buddha is a teacher. The Buddha is a living being who has suffered like us. That is why we can connect with him so easily. There is no discrimination between a Buddha or a non-Buddha. A non-Buddha is a Buddha to become. He or she has the Buddha nature in him or in her. And she should not uh, have any complex. She should say, well, if the Buddha succeeded, I will succeed. If the Buddha can do it, I can do it. Because I have the seed of uh, understanding, of compassion in me. And if I follow exactly the way the Buddha did, and then I will be able to transform myself like the Buddha. So the Buddha here is a teacher, a human being. And when you look into the Buddha, you see the suffering that has been transformed into joy, happiness, understanding. It's like when you look into a lotus flower, you see the mud that has been used in order to make a fragrant, beautiful lotus. So when you look at the Buddha, you see non-Buddha elements, namely afflictions, suffering, depression, all these things that have, that have been transformed into understanding and love and joy. And if you can see non-Buddha elements in the Buddha, and if you can see non-you element in you, And that kind of insight helps you to connect well with the Buddha. And then you can bow to him and you have communion with the Buddha.
Otherwise, communication between the Buddha and you is not possible. If you think that Buddha is only Buddha and you are only you, you have to see you in the Buddha and the Buddha in you in order for you to have real connection with the Buddha. And the same thing should be true with Jesus and you. And if you come from a Christian background, uh, you have to know that also, that when you look into Jesus, you see the suffering of Jesus. You see Jesus is also the son of man. And you are also the son of man. And there are a lot of... uh, in common between you and Jesus. If you don't see that, well, real communication between you and Jesus will not be possible. And that is why the view, the insight of interbeing is very essential for you to have good connection with the Buddha, with Jesus. You have to see the Buddha as a human being first. You have to see the Buddha as a human being with the afflictions, with the fear, the anger, uh, the suffering, but who has found a way in order to transform. And after having transformed, he continued to practice. Having become a Buddha, the Buddha still continues his practice. And this is very clear in the Sutra. You ask, why a Buddha should continue to practice? You are already a Buddha. Why do you have to practice sitting meditation, walking meditation, mindfulness? But in fact, in the Sutra, you see that the Buddha did exactly the same thing with his disciples. Every morning he practiced sitting meditation and walking meditation. Why? Because understanding and compassion need to be need to, to be produced without interruption. It's like uh, electricity. If you consume electricity Electricity will run out if you don't continue to produce electricity because understanding and compassion are energies. If you have have, uh, solar panels, you can capture uh, solar energy and if you use it for heating water, uh, 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 light, having light in the uh, cooking, lighting. And you continue to, you should continue to, to allow the, the solar panel to, to receive more sun, sunshine, to store up the energy of, the, of light. So the Buddha, in his... Uh, in his uh, daily life, he produced, he practiced in order to produce understanding and compassion that go help him to live uh, peacefully, happily, and that go help him to, uh, to help other people to live happily and um, freely. But uh, he continued the practice in order to to, to generate more of that energy. Because a Buddha, uh, is imp- as impermanent as the rest of us. 
you are impermanent. You have no self. The Buddha also is impermanent and has no self. You are made only of non-you elements. You have no separate self. The same thing is true with the Buddha. The Buddha is impermanent. The Buddha has no separate self. A Buddha is made only of non-Buddha elements. You have to remember that. You have to see the truth of equanimity between you and the Buddha. You don't have any complex. The Buddha is everything, I am nothing. That's not good. That is an obstacle. You see the Buddha in you, and you see you in the Buddha. The Buddha is made of non-Buddha elements. You are made of non-you elements, including the element of enlightenment and compassion. But man is uh, a very young species on earth. Thus, Buddhas belong to that species called uh, Homo sapiens. But there are many species on earth. And do they have Buddha nature in them? Like a swan, a deer, a tree, a rock, do they have Buddha nature in them? And in Mahayana Buddhism, the answer is yes. Everything, whether you call it uh, inanimous or sentient beings, all have Buddha nature. And in the Zen circle, they talk about a dog having Buddha nature. Well, if you think in terms of evolution, you, you can accept that. Because the human being is made of non-human elements, namely the mineral, the vegetable, and the animal. If we remove all these mineral, vegetable, and animal from us, there is no, there's no human being left. And there is the, the, that um, discrimination between between what we call the inanimate and the living. La matière vivante et la matière inerte. That kind of discrimination between matter and mind and spirit. Socrates did not accept the theory of atoms because he could not imagine that a human being can be made only of uh, matter. But nowadays, quantum physics look deeply into the subatomic particles and they see intelligence. In these particles, the particle of light is very intelligent. There is consciousness, there is intelligence in, a, in any particle of matter. And so you should not, we should not continue to call them matter. Matter and mind, that is discrimination. Matter and spirit are the two sides of the same thing. 
It's like body and mind. Mind is made of body and body is made of mind. Mind leans on the body to manifest and body leans on mind to manifest. They are just two aspects of the same thing. So we can remove the discrimination between mind and body, um, matter and spirit. It's like this uh, sheet of paper. It's very clear that it's uh, the left and the right. And the left and the right are not two distinct reality. You cannot take the left out of the right. And you cannot take the right out of the left. We cannot say, dear friend, you bring the right to Bordeaux and I bring the left uh, to Sigules. No, you cannot do that. Because the left is right in the right, and the right is just in the left. You cannot take them apart. In modern science, they call it something like entanglement. So we can learn to see that the right is in the left, the left is in the right, and right-left are just two notions. They are together. So the same thing is true with uh, matter and uh, energy, matter and spirit, body and mind. And looking deeply, we can remove these notions as uh, opposite uh, realities. Science has discovered that matter is energy. And that is a big step forward. Energy is matter. And they have found that... that, uh, that a subatomic particle, they behave sometimes as a wave and sometimes as a particle. In our thinking, a wave cannot can be only a wave. A wave cannot be a particle. A particle can only a particle be a particle. It cannot be a wave. But in fact, scientists have found that. Uh, they behave sometimes as a wave and sometimes as a particle. It depends on our way of looking. So wave and particle are not two distinctive things. They are the same. So let us remove the discrimination between matter and spirit. Don't say this is matter, only matter, and this is only spirit. No, matter and spirit are just the two aspects of the same reality. And that can be very helpful. So a subatomic atomic particle is intelligent, and she carries herself intelligence, consciousness. And that is why a subatomic particle has Buddha nature, because there is intelligence. There is consciousness in it. So in terms of evolution, everything has Buddha nature in it, including the so-called mineral, vegetal, and animal. There is a chant in the, in the Zen tradition. Uh, we should practice so, uh, so that all beings, including mineral, animal, vegetable become a Buddha right here and right now. Tình hữu vô tình đồng viên chủng trí. Animate beings and inanimate beings will become, will, be, will complete the, uh, the fruit of uh, highest understanding. Tình giữ vô tình đồng viên chủng trí. So let us look at uh, our beautiful planet Earth. Do you think that the Earth is just matter? Is just the environment? No. With that kind of insight, we will, not, we will look at the Earth differently. And she is a real bodhisattva. 
She is a very beautiful Bodhisattva. She is the most beautiful Bodhisattva we have seen. And she has given birth to many Buddhas, including the Buddha Shakyamuni, our teacher. She has given birth to many Bodhisattvas. And therefore, the planet Earth is a Buddha, is a beautiful Bodhisattva. And when we look at the sun, when we walk in springtime, we feel the sunshine on our cheeks. We see that we are really, we are really a daughter, a son of, uh, of the sun. Without the sunshine, no life is possible on earth. And Mother Earth needs the sun in order to be a real mother. And when you walk, when you do work in meditation outside, you see that you are the son, you are the daughter of Mother Earth and of the son. And you are the son of Bodhisattva uh, Earth and you are the daughter of Bodhisattva son. And they are real. They are not notions. They are not gods as we imagine. They are reality. And look at the sun Look at the moon, look at the uh, the planet Earth. We should not see that they are only the environment. They are us. They are inside of us. And you are very grateful when you practice working like that. You see both. You see both Mother Earth and Father Sun is in you, and you are working for them. And tomorrow you will go back to Mother Earth and you will be brought out again by, by her. You should not be afraid of dying because you carry Mother Earth and Father Sun inside. And with this kind of insight, we see that the Buddha need not be a person. The Buddha can be a person, but the Buddha is, can be more than a person. The Buddha can be a sub-atomic particle. The sun can be a swan, a deer. The Buddha can be a beautiful planet like ours. The, the Buddha can be a star. And we are surrounded by Buddha. And there are many Buddhas inside of us. So Buddhas and Bodhisattvas are no longer abstract notions in our mind. And you can get in touch with the Buddha and Bodhisattvas at any time. So in the ultimate dimension, we see that uh, Buddhas are there everywhere, inside of us, outside of us, around us. And we can get in touch with Buddhas at any time. They are not gods. They are not abstract ideas. They are very real. And on the historical dimension, we want to ask whether Shakyamuni Buddha, the historical Buddha, our teacher, is still there, or he is already dead. And for this, it's not too important to, to, to see. When we look uh, on the sky, we see a cloud. And tomorrow the cloud may not be there anymore. And we feel that we cannot connect with the cloud anymore. But the cloud has become, may have become the rain. And when you drink your tea 
in the morning during breakfast time. And if you know how to drink it mindfulness, you can recognize the fact that your beloved cloud of yesterday is now in your glass and you are getting in touch with your cloud. You are drinking your cloud. If you are not attached to the form of the cloud in the sky, you'll be able to see your cloud in your cup and you'll be happy to have a direct contact with your cloud. And that is, uh, that is meditation, the way to look free of, uh, free of the appearance, out, outside appearance. So Shakyamuni Buddha is a cloud. 2,500 years ago, uh, he took that form of uh, a young man becoming a monk, practicing, teaching for 45 years. But after that, he continued. He continued in the Sangha, in the Dharma. And if you are free from, from outer appearance, you can still see the Buddha with his continuation. And this Sangha is a continuation of the Buddha. We continue the Buddha. We continue his teaching, his insight, his practices. And we can continue him well also. If we uh, practice in such a way that we can generate understanding, compassion, non-discrimination, and then we are the real continuation of the Buddha, Shakyamuni, like your tea is a continuation of the cloud yesterday. So the Buddha does not belong to the past. The Buddha belongs to the present. And you can get in touch with the Buddha at any time you want. So with that uh, understanding in mind, uh, we can celebrate the birthday of the Buddha. And the celebration is, uh, can be very joyful because nothing, nothing is lost. And it is possible for us uh, to enjoy the practice of transformation and healing so that we can be a beautiful continuation of the Buddha right in the here and the now. If you are able to walk beautifully, free from the sorrow about the past, free from the fear about the future, if every, with every step you touch Mother Earth with all the wonders of life and feel joy, freedom, happiness. And you are a continuation of the Buddha. And you should continue to practice in order to continue to be the continuation of the Buddha. Because the Buddha, after having become a Buddha, he continues the practice, generating understanding and compassion. With understanding and compassion in you, you don't have to suffer. And you live your daily life in such a way that you continue in your daily life to generate more compassion and understanding. Not only for yourself, but for the people around you, for the world, and for other Buddhas and Bodhisattvas, especially from, for Bodhisattva Great Earth. Any question? Come microphone, Nongkang. Today is special because we celebrate Vesak in the new hamlet. Someone should write an article on, uh, on the Buddha basing on the teaching of this morning. Who is the Buddha? Is still alive. 
is Buddha a person or not? All these uh, are very interesting theological questions. to handle our habit energy about uh, we always accumulate irritate in our daily life mm. thank you Thay. I think uh, there are many ways one of the ways to tell your brothers and sisters about your habit energy uh, dear brothers and sisters I have this habit energy and from time to time it uh, manifests. So every time you see that habit energy in me manifest, please tell me. Please tell me that I, that I, I can recognize it and smile to it. And that is a very good way. Because sometimes we can recognize our habit energy and smile to it, and it will not be able to push us to do wrong things. But uh, sometimes we forget and that is why we need the Sangha members to help us. You have to prof- confess that you have that habit energy to the people around you and ask for help. I have that habit energy that uh, push me to say or to do things that I don't want to say and to do. And that create damage in me and around me. So please, brothers and sisters, help. Every time you see that that habit energy begin to show itself, please tell me so that I can I can recognize it and smile to it, and please help me to recognize it and smile to it. Okay. question is a very common question of people that are practicing the Dharma like me uh, since one year I'm practicing uh, trying to heal myself about uh, violent violence that came from inside but uh, what can I do with the violence that come from outside how can I heal the other persons the other persons that surround me and that are suffering. And another question, how can I not suffer if I practice compassion of the other people? How can I practice compassion without suffering if the people are suffering around? Now, when you practice... um Non-violence. You feel you you feel better. First of all, you you practice non-violence uh, for yourself because some very often. We can be violent to our own self. And uh, what the Buddha showed us can, can be very helpful. Non-violence is possible only when you have compassion. And you should ask the question as whether you have enough compassion for yourself. Do you have enough compassion for your body? Do you understand your body and the suffering of your body? If you 
if you can see the suffering of your body, if you know how your body suffers, and then you know what to do and what not to do in order for your body to suffer less. The way to walk, to, to, to walk, the way to eat, the way to drink can reduce the suffering of your body. What to eat, what not to eat, what to drink, what not to drink, uh, how to relax your body and help your body to restore, and that is compassion uh, directed to your body. And if you don't understand the suffering of your body, nonviolence is not possible. So look at your body and uh, recognize the suffering of your body and understand the suffering of your body. And then you will know what to do and what not to do in order to be kind to your body and to help your body to to suffer less. Uh, Walk, sit, uh, eat, Breathe in such a way that have your body to release the tension and to reduce the pain. And then you have a painful, painful feelings, you have painful emotions. And you have to understand the pain in yourself, in your emotion in your feeling. You should know where come has come this kind of painful feeling and emotions. And if you know the practice of mindfulness, of embracing your pain, your sorrow, in order to help calm down the pain and the suffering in your mind, that is the practice of compassion. That is the practice of um, of non-violence directed to your mind. And if you know how to practice uh, compassion and non-violence directed to your body and your mind, and then you can help the situation. First of all, when there is uh, violence outside, the way you react with uh, non-violence and compassion can already help. You have not uh, done anything to help the other person to be more non-violent, more compassionate. But the way you react with compassion, with non-violence, can already make the situation different. And if you, 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 you are calm, you are compassionate, you will know how to handle a violent situation better. You have no fear and no anger in you. So you are in a better situation to help the other person to, to transform his uh, violence and anger. So it depends on you. So the practice of nonviolence uh, is uh, linked to the practice of compassion. And we, we, we can produce the energy of compassion just by um, focus our attention, our mindfulness on the suffering inside of us and in the other person. And with that kind of listening deeply to the suffering, uh, the energy of compassion will be will arise. And when compassion arises, we suffer less right away. And we we know what to do in order to make the situation better. The sangha in five days we will have uh, a 21 day retreat and we should try to uh, prepare ourselves. The 
21 day retreat uh, is uh, one of the ways we celebrate uh, 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 30 years uh, of uh, practice and I would like to make a few proposals every every day almost every day we have one Dhamma talk and prior to the Dhamma talk we should be able to sit uh, quietly together for something like eight minutes before the Dhamma talk and this is a an easy a pleasant practice. We should not begin by the talk right away, but you should have the opportunity to sit down together for eight minutes. And Dharma teachers of Iksha Hamlet have to give instructions how to sit in these eight minutes together. We are coming from many countries. And if you know how to sit, properly, how to enjoy sitting together and produce the energy of uh, mindfulness and peace. You create together a collective uh, energy of mindfulness and peace that will be very pleasant to experience. It will help the healing of everyone. So Dharma teachers of each hamlet should, uh, upon the arrival of our friends, uh, try to give instructions that uh, before Dhamma talk, we will sit together for eight minutes and feel our presence together as uh, a community, brothers and sisters, and each one know how to sit. And during the sitting, we should stop completely our thinking. We don't sit there to think. We should only practice mindful breathing, relaxing our body, and enjoy breathing in, breathing out, and feel the presence of ourselves and other people around us and produce together that energy, uh, that wholesome energy of mindfulness and peace and brotherhood. That is very healing. And during that time, mm, there should be no noise. The sound uh, team should not work during that time. We should rearrange, we should arrange so that during that eight minutes there is no sound whatsoever. Earphone, all these things we have to set up before. We have to draw on the board, the corner, the, the, the corner of, uh, of those who want to have a translation into Spanish, into Italian, so that people would know they have to be instructed before that when they come to the meditation hall, they should look for their appropriate place. If you, are, if you want to have an Italian uh, translation, you, just, you should go there and, and sit. And after the sitting, you just pick up the earphone and put it on. And you don't have to, <laughs> to do like that. So Thay's wish is that uh, during the eight minutes before the Dhamma talk, there should be complete silence. And no noise of chairs uh, uh, and sitting up, sitting down. And the Zen tradition is like that. So we rely on, uh, not only on Dhamma teachers, but on everyone in each hamlet, so that the quality of our sitting will be good enough to provide people with the pleasure, happiness, healing, and so on. And for walking meditation, it may be too late to suggest, but uh, you know that Thay has uh, a little mat that can be folded uh, 
and put in uh, in in the bag. And when the halfway uh, of the meditation, uh, the walking meditation, they uh, put a set, uh, spread it and sit it down. It's very nice. And if you have uh, in the bookshop that kind of uh, <laughs> mini mat for everyone to uh, to take, it's very nice. And they want everyone to have uh, to enjoy sitting uh, in the open air during the the walking meditation. So nice. I think it's uh, it's not expensive that uh, that uh, What do you think? Yeah. Because it's so nice uh, to bring something like that to sit on. Because the few minutes of sitting there up in the hill is very nice. And um, during the 21 day retreat, there will be um, a few uh, documents for us to use about science and about uh, Buddhism. And uh, Brother Pháp Lưu and uh, Pháp Thần and uh, Lê Nghiêm. Sister Lingam, please come to Thai's room and uh, we discuss about how to provide um, these uh, documents for the 21 day retreat. There is uh, an article they wrote during the winter retreat, uh, a letter, uh, an intimate letter. Uh, to uh, a young scientist and uh, Dharma teachers, monastics and um, others are friends of the, <coughs> of the uh, inner staff should uh, read it. It is available now in English uh, thanks to Brother Fablins and Shiko Chengduk's effort. Intimate letter to a young scientist, and uh, you should read it and prepare yourself because you will have to to help uh, leading Dharma discussions. And this uh, document help you help us to uh, to have an overview of uh, the content of the retreat. So it is available in. Uh, in Vietnamese, it is now available in English, and uh, someone should try to translate it into French and German very soon. And there are so many people who come for the retreat, and we should work together as a good team with Sangha to make the retreat happy. And uh, our harmony, our brotherhood, sisterhood is very, very essential to make uh, this uh, retreat uh, a successful one. And then if you are an aspirant, (laughs) you know that you should practice well enough so that uh, you'll be ordained in the in the uh, Azali's family. That's the fourth of July this year. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> now let us, uh, after the Dharma talk. Listen to a few announcements, and we will uh, do walking meditation to the lotus pond in order to celebrate uh, the birthday of the Buddha. <laughs>